From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, hydrogel tissue glue. So what the sealant will provide is an external protective layer so that until you have epithelial healing, which I suspect takes somewhere between two and four days, then you've got the protection of the sealant. First this. If you're planning to attend this year's ASCRS ASOA Symposium in Congress in San Diego, California, why not come in a day early for the 2015 ASCRS Glaucoma Day on Friday, April 17th? This full-day program features critical updates, robust debates, and interactive case studies on what comprehensive ophthalmologists and anterior segment surgeons need to know about glaucoma management. Speakers include leaders in the field like ASCRS President Richard Lewis, Stephen Sarkissian, Thomas Samuelson, and Edward Holland. Plus, this educational activity has been approved for AMA PRA Category 1 credit. You'll save more than 10% on on-site rates if you register by Friday, April 3rd. Go to ASCRSglaucomaday.org for more information. Ophthalmology is on the brink of a series of technological revolutions that will transform both clinical and surgical management of patients. From drug-eluting devices to truly accommodating intraocular lenses to hydrogel glues that are likely to replace sutures in many surgical situations. Although we continue to wait in the United States for truly accommodating lenses, collagen cross-linking, and drug-eluting devices, we need wait no longer for hydrogel tissue glues. Sam Maskett is an expert in this area and a frequent guest of this podcast. I'm delighted to welcome him back to talk about this new tissue sealant. We're going to be talking about the efficacy of the Reshore sealant. Before we discuss your study, can I get you to describe the sealant and how it differs from, let's say, cyanoacrylate or or fibrin glue? I am their medical monitor for ocular therapeutics. I do have a financial interest in ocular therapeutics. Okay. Well, it is a hydrogel sealant. So, number one, it is not toxic. So I think it's important to distinguish it from that standpoint. On the other hand, in comparison to uh, cyanoacrylates, it doesn't have the same tensile strength or the same bonding strength. Um, however, the cyanoacrylates are somewhat toxic and they leave a roughened surface. So unfortunately, that ag- those agents are not available yet uh, on the market with FDA approval. But I think they have, they have greater bonding strength than does hydrogel. Fibrin does not seem to have significant bonding strength either. Uh, you, can, you can peel it pretty readily. Um, fibrin also it differs in that fibrin is a bovine product. Um, as a biologic, it brings you know, some concerns about its use, although obviously those are very rare. It also has a greater expense uh, than does the hydrogel. So the hydrogel advantage is uh, availability, low toxicity. I typically will hydrate my, my wounds b- before I, I even check whether they're leaking. How well does stromal hydration work? You know, that, that remains debatable. I happen to think it works well for the well-constructed incision. 
Um, the problem is if you have an unstable incision, the transient edema, that, and really, I mean, I think we all understand that what you achieve with stromal hydration is incisional tissue edema, and that will tend to bring the floor and roof into apposition, which is very good. That's what you want to achieve. The question is, we don't really know how long it lasts or how well it can account for incisions that are not well constructed. Um, on the other side of the coin, I think if the incision is hydrated and you do have apposition, that tends to prevent hypotony, um, and then that, I think, is a main advantage of, of using stromal hydration. The only question is the efficacy, and I'm not really sure, sure that we know the answer. Unfortunately, OCT studies are, are very, very good in giving morphology, but not necessarily incisional function. So when we look at OCTs of stromal hydration, we definitely see an effect, but it doesn't necessarily tell us about um, whether or not the incision is stable. Yeah, nor the the durability uh, exactly. of the uh, of the of the ceiling. If if I have a wound that's frankly leaking, I I will suture it. Now, how well do sutures work? Well, again, uh, what sutures do is basically divide an incision. So, for argument's sake, if you have a four millimeter incision, you put a suture in the middle. You're now dealing with two two millimeter incisions, and that has a, obviously a much greater structural stability than does the four millimeter incision. The other thing the suture will do, will bring the floor, if properly positioned, will bring the floor and the roof of the incision in that position. These are all good things. Um, however, we're not always certain of the alignment and the appositional uh, stability of the suture. Although, I mean, obviously sutures are the time-honored method uh, by which we've closed incisions. Uh, until we, we got to understanding sutureless incision closure, you know, we use sutures forever, and we now understand if we can create a basically square incision, if it's of limited width, then, we'll, then we can achieve stability. But sutures help us uh, by dividing the incision, um, and that alone provides structural stability, and in addition, an, an opposing tissue uh, again, the concerns are that the apposition may be askew or what have you. Now, Sam, you published results of this really interesting study. Can I get you to describe what the study was, your your design, the, the main outcome measures, and, and most of all, how did you test wound integrity for the purpose of, the, of this study? Uh, well, the, the first thing to understand is that in the design of the study, we chose straight paracentesis type incisions. Uh, we wanted to choose an incision that was in common use in practice, but that we felt was most or more likely to leak than other incision types. And then we wanted to be able to compare the leaking incision uh, to using sutures or using the hydrogel sealant to look at safety, that is, or, or efficacy and, and safety of the two methods. So in designing the study, we particularly chose an incision type that may have had a greater propensity to leak, let's say, than would one that was grooved uh, or what have you. So here, incisions up to 3.5 millimeters in width, straight paracentesis type were, uh, were employed in the study. And then 
at the and and stromal hydration was not allowed. So at the end of surgery, after the lens is implanted, after the visco agent removed, uh, the eye um, inf inflated with balanced salt solution, and 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 as set with a tonometer. So it was set at roughly physiologic between 15 and 20 millimeters of mercury using the Terry Kratz modification of the Barracare applinating tonometer. So pressure was set. Uh, we then did an intraoperative Seidel test, and we looked for spontaneous leak. If the eye leaked spontaneously, that patient was then enrolled in the study and randomized to receive either the hydrogel sealant or the or a tenonylon suture in radial fashion. Now, if the incision did not leak spontaneously, then a strain gauge um, called the calibrated force gauge or CFG, and that's a, a, a product that was developed by Ocular Therapeutics. It's a modification of a device used in orthodontics, in fact. And uh, this device can be applied to the eye. Uh, just posterior to the incision uh, in 0.25 gram force increments. And so up to a gram force of pressure was then applied to the eye, and if the incision did not leak with the force gauge, the patient was then excluded from the study. But if the patient did leak with the force gauge, then the patient was included and could also then be randomized to either uh, receive a suture or receive the hydrogel sealant. Um, and then either was applied, and then once again, uh, the eye pressurized, and a Seidel test repeated, and then the force gauge also repeated. So in this way, we were able to see what was, uh, which of the two agents provided a greater likelihood uh, for a, a Seidel negative outcome. So that's basically how the study was designed. And then, of course, we also looked at the complications associated with each of the, uh, the modalities. What were your results, and what adverse reactions were observed in, in both groups? I mean, adverse reactions were essentially nil. I mean, the main adverse reaction was subconjunctival hemorrhage, which is associated, obviously, with the suture, and not associated with the, um, with the hydrogel sealant. Uh, but, but adverse reactions were extremely, I mean, if we take a look here, uh, and by the way, they weren't randomized 50-50. There was a proportion, greater proportion of the hydrogel sealant eyes. Device-related adverse events in the sealant group, there was 1.6%, five of 305 patients, and um, they considered a primarily, I, I guess, foreign body sensation. With, with regard to the sutures, we had a significantly higher number. You had 30.6% versus 1.6% in the sealant group, and that was primarily related to subconjunctival hemorrhage and foreign body sensation. All right, so very, very few adverse events um, other than subconjunctival hemorrhage. That, that was the main difference between the, uh, the two groups in terms of adverse events. Um, but there were really no um, device-related um, significant adverse events with regard to the, actually with regard to either of the agents. And what did you find in terms of your, your comparison between the groups? What were your results? 
Well, I think one of the main uh, facets of the study was to see the proportion of either spontaneous or easily provoked leaks. And it was in excess of 90%. Uh, again, I, I think that speaks very, very much to um, incision construction uh, so that, um, you know, I think if we look at the exact number, it was 97.6% of, of the incisions leaked either unprovoked or provoked. Um, and uh, that's, I think it's a very sobering piece of information. Now, again, uh, it speaks to the incision construction. Uh, in, this, uh, in this investigation, we used a strictly, you know, a paracentesis type incision and up to 3.5 millimeters in width was included in the study. Um, there was no specific attention played uh, paid to rather creating um, a square incision so that it could have been more rectangular in its surface configuration. But this is a very, you know, very typically commonly practiced uh, form of making incisions. And that's why we chose it. So I think that um, uh, the main focus of the, of, this, of the study is the fact that there is a very significant proportion of eyes that leak. Now, with regard um, to uh, the efficacy of the sealant versus the suture, it's kind of interesting. Okay, so following the, um, after the patients were received either the sealant or the suture, um, there was an absence of leakage in 96.4% of the hydrogel sealant eyes versus 68.3% of the suture eyes, and that difference was statistically significant at a .0001 difference. So that was, I think, A, number one, surprising, and B, impressive. Uh, with regard to the, um, the patients who had leakage afterwards, they then could be treated either with stromal hydration or by a placement of additional sutures. It surprised me and I guess kind of frightened me that the incidence of wound leakage in the suture group was so so high. Why, why do you think that that was, Sam? Well, again, um, I think incision construction in and of itself is hugely important. And incisions that are not constructed in a square manner um, may be unstable. And for argument's sake, if you have an incision that's 3.5 by 1 millimeter, one suture may not be adequate. And the way patients were, the way the study was organized, it was one uh, centrally placed radial suture versus the sealant. Um, so I think um, incision construction plays a large role. I also think sometimes we are a little bit overconfident that a single suture will indeed close a clear corneal incision to be hermetically sealed so that once it's challenged again uh, or once we challenge it, we can see that there's a, a definite incidence of leakage. That is somewhat surprising, um, but it's, uh, you know, this is what we found in the investigation. And of course, everything, um, everything was randomized and masked. So. Sam, were there differences in the patient's experience with regard to irritation or, or, or comfort postoperatively in the two groups? Yes. Yeah, it was significantly less in the group with the sealant. Um, you know, again, the, the biggest concern was the incidence of subconjunctival hemorrhage, 
which obviously doesn't occur with the um, with the sealant, but does with the sutures. When when uh, you say that 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 it was less, you're you're saying that there was less discomfort in the sealant group. Uh, I think this. Well, if you you have to extract the um, the subconjunctival hemorrhage from that, but yeah. I think in terms of the, the comfort level, I think they were pretty much the same, other than the. Uh, of the subconjunctival hemorrhage. Now, if irritation does occur, as, as was the case with one of the study patients, can the sealant be manually peeled off? Yes, the sealant can be manually peeled away. In, in this study, the sealant was applied to unhydrated wounds. Now, the, the way that, that I picture using it is um, that I, I would intend to hydrate the, the wounds as is my, my normal practice. And then if I'm seeing a, 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 a leak at that point to apply sealant, can the sealant be applied to hydrated wounds uh, if, if they're not watertight? Oh, absolutely. Let's understand um, one of the real benefits of the sealant. I mean, hopefully at surgery, uh, when you leave the table, you have a sealed incision without either the suture or the sealant. The problem is until you get an epithelial seal across that incision, the eye is still uh, a potential source for contamination or at risk for contamination. So what the sealant will provide um, is an external protective layer so that until you have epithelial healing, which I suspect takes somewhere between two and four days, then you've got the protection of the sealant. And I think that's very important to understand. So um, the hope is that not only do you have a well-constructed incision, but you're also uh, applying a protective coating, so to speak, until the, um, until the epithelium seals. And I think that's probably a great advantage of the, of the device. I, I want to be, sh be sure that people understand the limitations. Um, it really, I, I look, sutures play a role in bringing tissue together that may not be well, you know, well constructed incisions. And they hold the incision together until natural healing takes place. And that's the role of, of the suture to divide the incision half and or in, in whatever proportions and to keep tissue in apposition. Um, I don't think the tensile strength of the sealant uh, can take the place of the sutures. But the sealant can prevent ingress and egress perhaps better if you have a, an otherwise stable incision. Well, Sam, this is really neat stuff. I'm really looking forward to, to, to trying it out. And uh, I, I, I want to thank you for bringing this to us and, of course, for being so generous with your time with us today. Bye-bye. Sam Maskett is clinical professor of ophthalmology at the David Geffen School of Medicine at the Jules Stein Eye Institute at UCLA in Los Angeles, California. His paper, Hydrogel Sealant versus Sutures to Prevent Fluid Egress After Cataract Surgery, appears in the December 2014 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Maskett or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. 
as seen from here, is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.